0: AI-Dash is the exclusive sponsor of Satellite Superheroes. AI-Dash is on a mission to create a greener, cleaner, safer planet from space. AI-Dash helps core industries become more resilient, efficient, and sustainable through the power of satellites and AI. Go out to AI-Dash.com. Find out more. On this episode of Satellite Superheroes, we're talking to Andrew Antonio. He is the CEO of Urban Sky, and we're talking about stratospheric remote sensing it's low cost the technologies today and they are leading the way enjoy the conversation andrew welcome to satellite superheroes how are you doing today
1: i'm fantastic thanks for having me scott how are you
0: You've been such a soldier with all of my automation problems that I've had, and you you're, you're super kind. That's that's how I want to roll. I'm looking forward to the conversation just because you're a kind guy.
1: No, it's going to be a fun one. We got some cool stuff to talk about today. Yeah, heck yeah! Be Before here.
0: we get into that cool stuff, give us a little background on you, and then we'll rifle into Urban Sky, and then we'll start talk, talking about cool stuff. All right?
1: Back. Yeah. So my background, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Urban Sky. Uh, I've spent most of my career, the better part of the last decade, working on building and commercializing stratospheric technology. So uh, you may or may not have heard of this project, but there's a program called Project StratX, which broke the world record for the highest human balloon flight and skydive of all time. You might remember the Red Bull guy. Red Bull guy. From a- Red Bull Remember the Red Bull guy. So I worked on a project that broke his record. We took someone higher. His name was oh, Alan Oh, Eustace. really? Yeah. How come, how come uh, I
0: only saw Red Bull and I didn't see your project? Uh, now yeah, it was, it was gonna... yeah, it was pretty stealth.
1: Yeah, it was pretty stealth. Hold on, hold on. Can I
0: go out on YouTube and find it?
1: You absolutely can. You can, you it, can look up Project Stratex, S-T-R-A-T-E-X. And this was Alan Eustace. He was uh, uh, one of the executives of Google who was trying to build a better system for Uh, human exploration in the stratosphere. So it really wasn't about selling sugary drinks. It was about really cool science and engineering that we were doing on the project. And that was where my career in the stratosphere started. And after that project, we, uh, we moved on to a different company called worldview where uh, I wasn't the founder, but was one of the first employees where we were building a system to bring people like you and me, Scott, up to the stratosphere to see the curvature of the earth and the blackness of space and have this incredible Perspective of seeing the world in this fragile state. And so, spent five or six years building that company. And after that, I started this new business, Urban Sky, with my co founder, Jared Leidick. And he actually uh, led the spacesuit team for Project Stratic. So, we've been working together for a very long time.
0: I'm having a hard time unraveling all of that cool stuff. Is that other company that is there a way that I could take a ride up to the stratosphere, just like uh, you were mentioning?
1: You totally can, uh, absolutely. You can buy a ticket today. Uh, they're not operational yet, but they'll they'll take your money and make sure you have a reservation to go. Uh, but they're working on getting there pretty quickly. Is so it more than twenty bucks? To, uh,
0: because I only have $20. a little bit more than
1: twenty bucks. I forget what their pricing is. I think it's somewhere around fifty or seventy five thousand dollars a ticket.
0: Yeah. <laughs> how yeah? How long are they going to be in the air? How long? Ha, let's put a let's put an hourly wait on that. How long is uh, how long does it take to get up there? And how long does it? Uh, how do I? Sort of I think a question,
1: yeah, it. we could do the math. It's about, a, I think it's somewhere between a three to six hour experience. So call it 10, wow. 10 grand an hour, yeah, maybe. That's
0: pretty cool. To be up there, so. uh, all right. All right. Let's get into Urban Sky. Um, interesting tech, interesting value proposition. As I look at your website, it's pretty doggone cool. Hey, are you out on LinkedIn, by the way? You're out on LinkedIn. I am, right? yeah. Andrew okay, Antonio so, on LinkedIn. Okay, yeah. good. And and what I see is a pretty cool picture. Got a balloon. You got a, uh, a sensing device. So give us a little background on what, what this is and why is it important?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the whole idea for Urban Sky uh, really started when we were working on Project StratEx, that, that record-breaking space dive. We were launching these really small stratospheric balloons uh, every day that carried a few pounds of cameras or scientific equipment. And we realized that there was this huge opportunity for using these small balloon platforms that could really be launched from anywhere, right? So like in the stratospheric industry in general, uh, most stratospheric balloons are these large, incredibly expensive systems. They're the size of skyscrapers, and they have to be launched from either airports or fixed infrastructure. And when you do that, uh, it's hard to place those assets, put that stratospheric balloon over the area your customer cares about for a remote sensing mission so this idea of launching from a mobile platform with a really small balloon if we could move our launch location around then we could let it go and use predictive wind analysis to let that balloon fly you know zero propulsion zero mission, just let it float with the winds over the area we care about to capture a bunch of remote sensing and earth observation data for customers and so That was where Urban Sky started was this idea around, could we build really small mobile launch balloons that could fly over predetermined areas? And also, could we build optics? Could we build sensor systems that were very lightweight that would let us keep those balloons really small to launch from a mobile platform? And so those are a lot of the hard problems and things we've been working on. And uh, in the last three years, it's really panned out to be uh, successful. So we're now operational and flying missions with high resolution cameras on these small balloons. Um, and our mission really is just to democratize access to more and better earth observation data. So the way to position this in the marketplace is, uh, you know, it can't do everything a satellite can do, but you can think of it like a balloon satellite. That's effectively what it is. These things fly at 60, 65,000 feet above the earth. So they're very high up, not in orbit, but very high up. Um, and we can launch them and capture really high resolution data. So anywhere from around 10-centimeter resolution in natural color imagery uh, to different resolutions for different bands and different types of data sources. Um, And so that's better than most of the satellites that exist in terms of resolution. So we get higher resolution data than most satellites, um, and we do it at a pretty low cost, so we can get really affordable data from these small A a
0: couple of questions here. what, is, what has changed in the marketplace? What is the why behind it? Why, why all of a sudden there's a demand to be able to, to have these high-res high images from the air? What, what, what has changed?
1: Yes, yeah, so in general, anyone in the industry would tell you that the, the market for data is heading to a place where people want more data, so they want it more frequently, right? So, Can I get an, a picture of Denver, Colorado every single week so I can analyze change more frequently? Not only do they want more of it, they want it in higher resolution because the better the resolution, the more things you can pull out of that remote sensing data. So what types of features can you see in it? So that's really what these balloons are letting us do is launch very frequently at a really low cost to capture high resolution data over these places.
0: Do you have, in light of that, do you have, in, in that, <clears throat> do you have a, an algorithm of some sort to say, okay, let's use Denver as an example, Monday, I launch a balloon, boom, goes up, hits the target, takes the image. And then next Monday, I do the same thing. And next Monday and so on. Maybe that's too frequent, but you get the picture. Can, can I see changes, slight changes with whatever's happening week to week and saying, okay, Hey, I I see there's a problem. There's a challenge.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, so really, you know, what we're looking at doing, and I, and I should clarify because I haven't said it yet, we're still a small business. You know, We're operating mostly in Colorado, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Nebraska, Wyoming, like just a few small states. Um, but we're planning to expand. And when we expand, this gets into answering your question, our initial plan will be to capture high-resolution data over urban centers every single month. Now, at our resolution, that data set does not exist. So 10-centimeter high-resolution data every month does not exist today, mostly because of the cost that it takes to collect it. Um, And so what we want to do with that is explore these use cases that, you you know, you asked that question, what can you do with it? So what types of industries and companies would be interested in how the earth changes on a monthly basis? And we've identified a lot of those already. We have several customers ranging from oil and gas companies that need to or want to frequently monitor their assets, their wellheads, to insurance companies that might be looking at uh, property insurance renewals that don't happen on an annual basis. They happen on a monthly basis. So can you get me fresh data before a renewal a renewal for a commercial property comes up? So there are many, and we hope that when we finally provide that data, this this new data set, that a lot more people will come out of the woodwork and that we'll, we'll find new use cases for this frequency of, of imagery.
0: So let's let's roll through a process. If I came to you and I said, hey, <clears throat> I need an aerial picture of this area and i you know i point to a map right there uh and we you say yes all right it's all good from that point on how quickly can you deploy
1: yeah so generally speaking our uh our model will be within 24 to 48 hours we should be able to deploy over your area of interest once we've scaled the company and have operations across the country um so so that will exist like this idea of rapid response if you say hey And that's a use case. If there's a hurricane or a flooding event, we need to get out there. We need to get the data quickly and put it into someone's hands uh, to be useful. So that's a use case. But another one for us that's important is just cataloging imagery. So working with customers that, you know, they may not need it tomorrow, but they'd like to see it every month. So we'll be building a catalog of archived,
0: Uh, highly
1: refreshed, high-resolution data that anyone can subscribe to. uh,
0: I, I see because I do like looking at uh, satellite photos. I I, I have, yeah, there's no action on my end. It's just me wanting to gawk and look at it. Hey, check that out. And then drilled But I have to ask the question, you launch it, goes into where you need to be snapping those pictures. Now what, where does it go? What is, how do you, how do you get it? What what is
1: it? Yeah. Great question. It's, this is a very unique type of balloon. So this is a balloon that really doesn't exist in the world today. And we've done a lot of engineering that sort of gets to that answer. So the short answer is we can bring it back down to earth and command that process when we want to. So we actually have mechanisms on the balloon where we have a degree of control to bring that balloon down to a predetermined specific area. So uh, we're not dropping them in a city, right? Like after the mission, we wait until we fly over a city, and we look for open spaces, public lands, and then we can direct that balloon to those public open areas for recovery. And so that makes the whole process really cheap, really easy, and very controllable. So the cool balloon, I could go into details on kind of how it works, but but that's the short answer is that it is a controllable system that we can recover on demand.
0: And because you're a small business mold, uh, and, and you're still working out the and, and growing and use cases and all that stuff, I would imagine, I would imagine correct me if I'm wrong, that through some sort of uh, uh, pro- programmatic approach, you could say, all right, you're launching here, you can put it in the computer, and it goes up, over, and then predetermined, boom, done. And then you just drive on out where you need to be. And, and it just all, all of a sudden just happens. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right. Our whole company for the balloon is built around one Labor Day shift. So we really don't think this would work if you've launched a balloon and went and got it three days later. So the yeah. whole operation and all of the technology is engineered to say whoever got up in the morning, had breakfast, is that that person will pick up a balloon, go launch it, collect several thousand square kilometers of imagery. And then that same person by 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon will pick it up on the other side of the city and bring it back to the headquarters with all that data before they're home for dinner.
0: That's that's pretty cool, man. That's yeah, that's good. And and you you were talking about the the specifics of the balloon, and I'm not I'm not asking you to deploy any or or divulge any you know proprietary information. But the the are you planning to manufacture these balloons too as well?
1: Yeah, we already do. We're fully vertically uh, integrated. We manufacture, uh, design, and manufacture all of our systems, including balloons. Uh, so we do that today. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can talk, you know, in generalities that uh, the it balloon itself.
0: Roll yeah. with it, man. I want to know. Yeah.
1: They're, uh, they're really cool. They're so I, The best way to describe this is most of the balloons that exist today in the stratosphere are weather balloons. These are latex balloons that have a little instrument on it and they have no control. They go all the way up to the stratosphere and their element of control is that they just pop. And when they pop, they can't hover over a city and get imagery. So there's no remote sensing with a weather balloon. So we've designed and now we build uh, what's called a zero pressure balloon. So that means it goes up to a certain altitude and it doesn't pop. It stops ascending and descending and it levels out at a perfectly stable altitude. And we determine that altitude. We know exactly what altitude we want it to fly to. And it goes to that altitude and it stops and then it can fly for hours at that altitude without popping. So we can get the imagery that we want and then at the end of the mission, like I mentioned earlier, we'll send it a command to bring it back down to Earth.
0: Oh, I see. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, you're, you're sending something into the air. Are there any FAA regulations that you need to be aware of?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, great question. Absolutely. And in, in fact, a lot of our company was built around a specific FAA regulation. So there's a, there's a category, a weight class that the FAA has created for small balloons. And that basically says if you carry less than six pounds of payload mass, um, you fall into a certain regime where the restrictions are there, but they're not overly uh, excessive to the point where you can't operate on a daily basis. So we do things like we file flight notums before we launch a balloon. We notify our local Denver air traffic control and FAA agencies so they know exactly where the balloon is and where it's going to be flying. So we we super coordinate with all the necessary bodies, but it also gives us the flexibility under that weight class to literally drive out to a dirt road, you know, 50 miles outside of a city and let one of these go out of the back of a pickup truck.
0: It would seem to me that uh, given the the determination of the weather patterns, all that, there's a lot of science that goes into that because the last thing you want is a balloon to go off target, right? So there's a lot of pre- programming pre-analysis that is necessary to be able to make sure that your balloons hit the target consistently. Are you are you pretty much consistent with those targets?
1: Very, very consistent. This is uh, one of the things people don't believe more often than anything is that you can precisely target a balloon over an area of interest. And there's a couple things that let us do that. Yeah, it's it sounds crazy, but one of those things is we have very advanced Flight modeling software. So we use several different weather forecasts to look at upper altitude winds and directions. And we use that to model our flight paths. And so we'll run several simulations to understand the range of predicted outcomes for that balloon mission. And then the other thing that helps there is that you're so high up that even if you miss your target by a few miles or a few kilometers, you're still scanning a very large portion of the Earth. So your target is likely to be under that area anyway so you have a margin of error when you're that Uh, high with remote sensing
0: see that makes sense so we have a a low cost uh stratospheric solution to take images great we can deploy them relatively quick i mean quicker than a satellite that's for doug i'm sure
1: and about um, 10 minutes yep
0: yeah and so and it's mobile right it's all good so so what are the sort of the Roadblocks. What are we? What are we hitting? When I mean, it sounds like it's a great thing, but what, what? What are the roadblocks?
1: Yeah, things are going really well. Uh, you know, from a technology perspective, we spent the last two and a half, three years doing R and D mostly in stealth, and we're really coming out of that portion now and operating, capturing real imagery for for commercial customers. Um, but you know, this isn't a this isn't a magic bullet. I guess is one of the points I'll make that we don't see this as a system that will replace satellites or replace aircraft or drones. You know, if you think about the remote sensing industry in general, it's one where it's going to take all of those systems to really work together to provide the right type of value to the specific customer. Like one of the balloon limitations that we have is we don't offer global coverage, right? So if you go back to what I mentioned, if everything happens within one labor day or one shift uh, of work, we're not launching these systems over conflict areas, maybe in Ukraine or, or where have you. We're not launching them over oceans, so uh, we're constrained with the types of areas that we can image. But where you can launch and recover a balloon, this is a really good option for low-cost, high-resolution data capture.
0: And I can see something in a, in the world of utilities, right? And 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 taking that snapshot, but but utilities use multiple technologies. They'll use satellites. They'll use uh, drones. They'll use whatever all of the technologies to make sure that that they have this. Accurate image, and this is just another layer to improve the quality of of what's happening.
1: It's absolutely right, and I and I would be remiss not to mention one of the other cool things we do is is wildfire monitoring. You Ah. you mentioned utilities, which Uh made me think about that because a lot of times you know spark on a power line with vegetation can create a problem um, uh, for a fire, and so. Uh, we're actually developing a real-time wildfire monitoring system. So instead of just getting all the imagery after the flight, we can actually downlink the precise location of where a fire is as that balloon flies over a forest or a natural uh, national park or some other uh, remote area. And that's See, that's
0: cool. interesting. Uh, there there are, you know, social, There, there are companies that sort of look at the social media platforms and pull off information that is specific to fires or emergencies or something and be able to take that information and create a picture, you're just one other. It's like, okay, we got a fire. It's right there. And because you are able to be rapidly deployed, you're you're able to, how long, I mean, in, in that case, if if I'm up in the stratosphere and I'm looking down on an image because you have sort of that bandwidth capabilities, you're able to sort of lock in for uh, how how much time just sort of in sort of that general location.
1: Yeah. Well, it really depends on how quickly you're moving through the stratosphere. So our ability to loiter or hover over ah, one specific a location yeah. depends on the speed at which the stratospheric winds are moving. So that's the way we think about that. Again, we don't use propulsion. There's no steering yeah, system yeah, on the balloon. So if the winds are moving at two miles an hour, we're going to be parked above that area all day and all night. If they're moving at 20 miles an hour, then we're moving at that speed. And so that's really what determines how long we can stay above an area.
0: But because of your imagery, you're able to take a pretty pretty big look. So whatever that, I, I, I don't know the word. I, I like the term loitering. That was pretty cool. But be able to use that imagery to be able to sort of be in that position for a little while, or at least it could be moving, but it's still within the the frame of, of that sensing device. That's pretty cool. And speaking yeah, absolutely. Of, speaking of stratosphere, how fast does it go up there? I mean, you said two miles per hour. I mean, what's the typical it's a, speed?
1: It's a complex know. science. It varies, uh, varies by season, varies by week, varies by day. Generally speaking, you're moving anywhere uh, between five kilometers an hour up to about 60 kilometers an hour. So it really can change quite a bit. And that actually gets into the nitty gritty of our, you know, how we image and our optics and our yeah. uh, our technology. Like you have to account for all of those things in these complex, unique things that you've encountered yeah. in the stratosphere.
0: Yeah, that's secret sauce stuff. That that yeah, because that's that is that's uh, massive. All right, we're gonna have to wrap it up. I like this conversation. I think it's pretty cool. Kudos to you and, and Urban Sky and Team Urban Sky. Uh, how does somebody get a hold of you and say, hey, I need I need a I need to contact this gent?
1: Yeah, feel free to check us out on our website, www.Urbansky.com. You can also shoot us an email at info at urban or just reach out to me directly. I'm Andrew at Urbansky.com. And yeah, it was great being here, Scott. Thanks for having me. It's a really fun conversation and I love uh, being able to talk about all of this.
0: Nah, that was cool. I, I, I think it's great. I, I love the, the innovation and the technology and all of the stuff. It, it, uh, you know, another conversation to have later on would be, where do you see it going and what what... I mean, all of the use cases and all of the technology converging, I mean, it's it's pretty doggone cool. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you Scott. Take all care. right, listeners, we're going to wrap it up on the other side. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you very much for joining Satellite Superheroes. And also, thank you to Andrew Antonio, CEO, Urban Sky, talking about stratospheric remote sensing. It's a mouthful, but it is happening, and Urban Sky is definitely leading the way. Reach out to him. Go to urbansky.com or just go out to his LinkedIn profile, type in Andrew Antonio, put in Urban Sky. You will definitely find him because that technology is mad, and it's incredible. A lot of, lot of things going on there. All right. Thank you once again for joining Satellite Superheroes. We appreciate you following, and we're going to have another great conversation shortly, so do not go away. We're going to have more great conversations like we just had with Andrew, so stay tuned.